Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, Megan Hall, psychology grad student, spouse, mom, and advocate for change. On this podcast, I provide a space for women to share their stories. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today and enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, today I'm here with Jenny. Jenny Okolo is a therapist and the founder of She Aspires Skills Academy, S-A-S-A, on an online career platform built exclusively for women to be a part of the community that provides an unfiltered view of various career journeys. There's so, so many career journeys, so many. I'm like, I want to be a professor when I grow up and I'm 35. Anyways, uh, Jenny's passion. What? It's still possible. It is. No, it is. I'm in my uh, master's program right now. It's not not that far out of reach. I'm just like, I feel like at 35, I should have it together. And I'm like, I don't, I do not. (laughs) So Jenny is passionate about female empowerment. Jenny has made it her mission to educate, encourage other women as explored through social activism, podcasting as one third award nominated. She's in a pod and numerous other public speaking engagements across Europe. Well, Jenny, I'm sorry that my brain is not fully functioning. I told you earlier that Zoom was not my friend. So thank you for coming on the podcast today. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Thank you. Um, So when you were younger, you had a, a, I don't even want to say it's a problem, but um, you had an experience like many of us when we were younger, us women when we were younger had. Tell us a little bit about your yeah. self-esteem, I guess we'll go there. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, as you could imagine, I think, especially if you've gone through the same thing, like shyness, low self-esteem, anxiety, that was all of me when I was younger. Uh, when I say younger, I'd say like between the ages of like 11 to 16. And for us in the UK, that's like secondary school. I think that's high school. Um, uh, middle so, school yeah. and high school. Or middle, yeah. middle school and high school, yes. So, you know, already there's a lot of peer pressure mm-hmm. uh, and things like that. So, but my anxiety and my shyness was so crippling to the point where even just like, in, in school like they would make us read out of like a novel that we'd all be reading collectively in class and each time it came to my turn because we'd go like person by person I'd get such a great sense of fear inside of me just because I didn't want to have to read out loud my voice would shake I'd get sweaty palms all of that kind of stuff and that's really how I kind of navigated um my whole kind of junior years like in school just being really shy and um self-conscious as well um you know definitely you know a lot of like body changes all that kind of stuff um but it wasn't until like I hit um more like college time Mm -hmm. um that's when I started to kind of like find myself and when I say find myself I you know obviously I had a tighter group of uh, friends um, I found my interests and slowly but surely like I started finding my voice um, and he, but it's not something that obviously goes away straight away like even now um, I'm still quite quiet and reserved but 
what actually changed was my mindset towards that was my approach to being shy I I used to look at being quiet as a negative thing but actually now especially in my place of work now you know obviously we'll talk about that later on but working as a therapist and working in mental health actually being a good listener mm-hmm. uh, what I took out of it being someone who's patient being someone who's actually able to hear other people and not just you know talk over them and you know that kind of stuff so I I took the qualities that I thought were once a negative and turned that into a positive thing and that's really helped me embrace like my quiet nature because then I realized actually I'm not naturally a loud person um, and people come in all various types of you know forms and have right. different types of characteristics so um, it took a while for me to embrace that and to uh, make that click in my mind but it was definitely a struggle for me for you know when I was younger um but you know just I, I suppose even hearing when I say other people but like people that I looked up to um in terms of maybe public speakers or those within my field and hearing them actually say look I was once the same um helped me you know find my voice and be more comfortable within myself yeah I can I can totally relate to that because when I was younger um yeah. So in the States, we have elementary, middle and high school generally. And when I was younger, I was like introverted. I was really nerdy. I was, I mean, I'm still really nerdy. I love, I geek out on research and like learning and everything. That's why I want to be a professor Then I could do it for the rest of my life. Uh, but You know, I was uh, one of those people, people like now are like, oh my gosh, you see, so, seem so confident and put together. And I'm like, I am really not <laughs> like it is. It is something that you had, I had to develop over time because you have to, society does not like it. If you're, you're quiet and introverted and you're not like, you're weird. If you do that, um, you know, that sort of thing. So I got used to like having to, you know, speak and get more comfortable, uh, with that. And at one point in time, I was a speaker and I did speak at conferences and stuff. And but it took so long to get there. And even then I, I felt like I wanted to throw up every time I talked. Yeah. It does take a bit of time, doesn't it as well? Like I remember my first speaking engagement and I just kept questioning, like, why did you pick me? Why do you out of right. everyone want me to speak? And so much doubt and fear kind of was, you know, filled in my head, but you know, even though it takes time, I mean, it's, it's like that saying practice makes perfect. Like the more you keep doing stuff, the more, you know, you get a, a little bit comfortable, you find your own style. I think that's really important. Like mm-hmm. you know, just because you're quiet or introverted, it doesn't mean you need to change in order to, I suppose, you know, be a professor, be this or that. Right. No, you can, you can still be those things, but it's just a different style. And it's, kind of showcasing to people that actually that works and we've seen that we've seen the most successful people be actually you know in real life they're quite quiet and you know timid but it it works for them um and it it goes to show that there's different skills that people can bring um depending on their characteristics so um yeah yeah absolutely I I mean (laughs) I'm like in the the university setting uh it's actually kind of normal to be weird and quirky (laughs) you think about about professors and you're like oh yeah you most people have had multiple professors who are weird and quirky (laughs) (laughs) well there we go I mean look 
I, I, you know, now my, my mantra is I don't want to be ordinary. I want to stand out. So if I'm weird and quirky and people notice that I'm doing a good job. (laughs) If you had told, uh, Megan, like when I was like 20 years ago that I'd be talking on a, like hosting a podcast and talking to people all the time, I'd be like, no, 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 no. (laughs) That would have made me like want to clam up and like, "Ah!" Uh, (laughs) but like, like you had said, like it, over time, you know, you practice uh, and then you start to become a little more comfortable. I still get uncomfortable when I look at the stats for the podcast. I'm like, oh my gosh, that many people hear my voice every week. (laughs) But you know, good. (laughs) Yeah. But you work on it. Like over time, you can become more and more comfortable. Like you said. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. In the, in the application, it was mentioned that you were a glamour girl. Well, <laughs> oh my gosh, no, I've never heard it be said that way. <laughs> FYI, clarification, no, I was not a glamour girl. <laughs> oh my goodness. What, um, what is that? What is, I mean, what was, so, what, what, where did that come from? So actually I, so I was featured in glamour magazine. Oh, right? um, oh. I but, misunderstood that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was actually part of a campaign with Curvy Kate. I don't okay. actually know if it's the States, but Curvy Kate is a lingerie um, company. Um, and they were doing a campaign around body confidence uh, okay. for women. And, you know, somebody reached, somebody from their team reached out to me um, and asked me to be a part of it because they saw that I was doing all these you know things and putting out content around like uh, women empowerment and you know speaking to, to young girls and things like that um so yeah they reached out to me and asked if I wanted to be a part of it and again like it's, it's almost like I instantly went back to that 11 year old journey I was like no 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 I don't think so I don't think so why me why me um but then I had a conversation with my friend and we're basically like you know saying that look this is an opportunity for you to face your fears because mm-hmm. even though and this is it's so strange sorry to divert but even though I was very shy and introverted and I was scared to do a lot of things deep down within myself I knew that I wanted to um have a platform I knew mm-hmm. I wanted to inspire people I knew I wanted to you know speak at different places so I had that desire within myself um so you know as we spoke he reminded me of that and was like look this is really what you wanted to do right um it's just that you're scared to do it but if you take that leap um you know you'll find that you were able to achieve something that you you know you set out to do so um I agreed to do it and there were like you know I think it was maybe about six of us in total and you know in different shapes and forms um different backgrounds and races um and it was an amazing experience I mean people shared their stories like the Scott where they got their scars from some people had like skin conditions like just a variety of of women and I was so proud to be a part of that um so yeah I was featured on um Garment magazine which is one of the biggest um yeah magazines here in the UK and abroad as well and yeah like it it was definitely uh I, I suppose like a transition because a lot of like my other friends they were quite surprised that I did that Uh, just because it wasn't really within my nature Um, but I think that was definitely the you know the stepping stone into actually going after what I really and truly desired despite my fears 
Um, so yeah, that was a, that was an amazing experience for me. Yeah. Getting uncomfortable, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, basically. Yes. And I like that the campaign had a a variety of people. I've been saying this a lot lately is we all need to be able to see ourselves in what's being represented, um, no matter like your race, your gender, your sexual orientation, like all of those things is it's important to have diversity. So when young girls are, or even teenagers, because glamour is not like young girls, more like teenagers, young adults, or even older adults, I've heard of it, but anyways, um, to have them see themselves represented, right? You see the people with the scars, you see the people with different skin conditions. Now, you know, oh, that can be me too. I have all these things right here in the United States. um, We had our first woman vice president. We do right now, Kamala Harris. And, you know, she's the first, not only woman, but black um, and South Asian woman um, to be the vice president. And so many little girls were able to see like, oh, a woman was able to do that. A black woman was able to do that. And so they're being able to see like that they have that opportunity too. Right. And um, so it's, I, I feel like it's so important to have everybody represented diversity of people represented yeah definitely and I think it can apply in in many different spaces like the workplace which is another area that I'm quite passionate about just seeing people who look like you in senior roles for example and 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 then actually aspiring to get to that place because you can almost see yourself getting there as well so I think it's, it's really important and um, it's something that I definitely appreciated at the time because like I said I did have you know people that I looked up to and and things like that so I, I do hope that some you know these type of experiences carry on and increase for all our you know younger older um, you know whoever just for everyone so that their their dreams aren't killed in a way just because mm-hmm. they feel like they can't get there because they don't see themselves in certain positions um, so yeah Yeah, I just read a a Twitter thread earlier today about um, this doctor that works for Veterans Affairs here for the military veterans. And he said he had this um, older veteran who served in Vietnam, who got very excited because he was the first black doctor that he had seen. And, And this gentleman's like, I've been going, I've been going to Veterans Affairs for decades. And he was like so excited because he was like, ah, I finally see someone who looks like me. Um, And I feel like that's so important. Like I, you know, going places and you, you feel like you're the only one is, is very scary. Like I've been in spaces where it's all men and I'm just like, um, (laughs) do I belong here? Yeah. Yeah. Am I I supposed to be here? Like Uh, it, it is very intimidating. Uh, so what made you get into being a therapist? So a therapist. So I, do you know what it is? I think, again, it was around that point where I decided to use my, um, you know, just look at like the things that I was good at. So like I said, I was a good, very, I felt like I was a very good listener. I was very passionate about mental health mm-hmm. and psychiatry um, specifically, um, so I did a placement it's like work experience um, that they get you to do at school for like a yeah. week or so um, in a psychiatric hospital 
Um, I loved it. And, you know, I, I shadowed an, an occupational therapist specifically. And I saw that the work they did uh, incorporated like some of the skills that I had and some of the skills that I wanted to 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 learn as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I currently I work as an occupational therapist and psychiatrist and it's it's really rewarding because um especially because I also work in a criminal justice system. So it gives you a much broader understanding of why this person has gotten to this place. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know fortunately there's you know people are born into certain circumstances that don't benefit them um and you know I think as well as having a medical condition I think your environment definitely plays a huge part into you know who you become as well so that's really where my interests kind of laid and me being a part of their journey to recovery um their journey to integrating back into society um as much as they can and mm-hmm. have a meaningful quality life um is what keeps my interest in in this area um so yeah that's that's kind of how it happens and it's challenging at times I will say that um but again like I said when you see somebody come out at the end um it does um you know feel quite rewarding and it it makes you feel like you are contributing to society just in a different way yeah, I, I, my major is actually psychology. I went to school. I, I started school because I wanted to be a therapist, like a mental health um, counselor. However, uh, I got diagnosed with bipolar disorder uh, two years ago, almost three years ago. Actually, next month, it'll be three years ago. My anniversary is Valentine's Day, <laughs> like the anniversary <laughs> of getting a bipolar diagnosis. I'll never forget it. Uh, yeah. But uh, at that time, I had to do some self-reflecting and, and understand, like, I don't know if I could hold that space, you know, the space that I need to hold. But if you can't do, you teach. And I yeah. still love psychology. I'm very passionate about it. Um I'm very passionate about mental health, but also like my main interests are stigma and prejudice and discrimination of all types, but specifically mental health, because that actually has been shown to prevent people be one of the barriers to people seeking help is stigma. Mm -hmm. So, um, I know how much, how important it was for me to seek help. Um, and if I didn't have those opportunities, I didn't have access because I have health insurance and all those things. I don't know where I would have ended up. Like I probably would not have this podcast if I didn't have access to all those things. And I know it's a privilege, especially here in America where like our, our health system is crap, <laughs> you know, to be able to access that. Um, and not everybody has that. Like you said, some people were born into circumstances that are beyond their control and it prevents them from being able to access things that they need to, you know, have a better quality of life. Yeah. No, definitely. And I think in terms of like access, I meet and I speak to a lot of people, whether they're my patients or just friends in general, like about the lack of or how difficult it is to access these services. Mm -hmm. So we have the NHS, which is a national health service here in the UK. And therapy is essentially free on the NHS, but the waiting list is massive. I mean, you could be waiting three years just to be seen. 
um, which obviously isn't, um, you know, practical. So, and then if you go through the private routes, it's very expensive. So then you, you know, what do you do when you are quote unquote in crisis or you feel like you need help and you want to, you know, get to it before it gets even worse. So, you know, those are the type of struggles that, you know, people face. And even where I work now, like there's a lot of, you know, when I'm reading reports, it's very much undiagnosed this, undiagnosed that. And I remember like asking my, um, one of my coworkers, like, why is that? Why, why is that, that there's so much undiagnosed um, conditions in terms of mental health? And especially within the, the Black male community, where when somebody comes through to us, you can clearly see, okay, there's some form of, you know, learning difficulty or you know ADHD or something but there's no formal diagnosis and this person's maybe like 30 40 years old Mm -hmm. so you can actually see right in front of you the damage that it causes to people you know by not getting help um earlier on so um that's why I really do advocate for like organizations um podcasts um free resources just anything just to help people apps as well which is you know if you've got um if you're able to access that um which is really useful in at least helping people to um access something in the meantime um because it's just otherwise we you know we're going to you know end up in a in a place where you just get lots of people in unfortunate situations um so yeah, I, I, and I think for me, I always say like to people, because, you know, people, they know what a psychologist is, they know right. what a like, doctor is, what a nurse is, but in terms of therapy, therapists, there are so many different types of therapists. There's yeah. art therapists I work with, music therapists, me, I'm an occupational therapist. So it's also up to us to um, showcase the different types of therapies that you can, um, you can explore and kind of take to what works for you yeah we previously had someone on the podcast who does art therapy that's what um she she likes to work with veterans Mm -hmm. uh but yeah it um I will say I went undiagnosed for a very long time I started uh experiencing depression as a very young child um and then uh the mania came when I was a teenager and when I got my diagnosis, which I'm 35, so I got it like when I was 32 or 33, uh, I said to my family, like, this is my diagnosis. And my mom said to me, oh, we always knew something was off with you. We just mm-hmm. thought that was you, just you being you. And so to me as a parent that my family knew that there was something going on, but nobody sought help for me. And I had to struggle for so long. Uh, with these, I mean, it, it, it's hard. And, and, and so I understand where you're saying is like, you're seeing people who have possibly been dealing with these diagnoses for decades and it really takes a toll on the quality of life of individuals with, um, mental illness. If they cannot get the help that they need to be able to function, um, at the highest capacity that they can. Yeah. Definitely. It's, um, it's something I, I think, oh, well, I know it, it, it needs to be worked and it needs to be addressed. And um, I do hope that more and more um, actions are put in place to, you know, whether it's, you know, 
going into schools and not just talking about mental health but actually getting health professionals to work Mm -hmm. in them who are qualified to identify you know you know mental health um issues or actually try and assess and see whether somebody would benefit from sort sort of help in order to avoid um long-lasting effects really so what does an occupational therapist do because you mentioned earlier there's so many different kinds of therapy and people may not be familiar so what what do you do in the mental health field yeah so um specifically in psychiatry um i work with a lot of people who um obviously have some sort of psychosis um but then might also have a learning difficulty autism adhd and essentially it's you know hindering their quality of life so Mm -hmm. I work with them on their activities of daily living so maybe somebody who was once able to cook for themselves they're not able to so it's regaining those skills Mm -hmm. Um, I also do quite a lot of cognitive assessments so seeing how they process information Um, again um, you know mental mental illness plus medication plus trauma all of that combined can really affect somebody's processing um and then we also do a lot of reports to help them get you know continue that support when they're out in the community if that's their particular pathway um so essentially it's just helping somebody maximize their independence as much as possible and have a meaningful life um considering the the circumstances that they might be in so we work a lot with alongside doctors um nurses uh social workers and we work as a team to you know help that person get to um you know where they're best able to to be um so yeah i i am dual trained so i can work in mental health and i can also work in physical setting so sometimes once in a while we get you know we get a patient who's got maybe MS or multiple sclerosis for example or some sort of amputee and they call me in to do like an assessment to get the right equipment for them in order for them to still continue with their daily life so essentially that's what we are um they do tend to say that OTs can work in various places I mean we can work in schools hospitals prisons um and yeah I think it's it's really useful to have such diversity within um, the medical field because it's not just about medication medication can only do so much yeah um, but it's actually the other sort of interventions that contribute to helping that person lead a more meaningful life yes absolutely I experienced that on my own I mean I'm on medication for bipolar disorder but if I also don't get enough sleep I don't go to see my, or not go see my therapist. We do virtual. We have been for almost two years now, (laughs) Uh, but you know, all these different things. If I don't do that, I tell people it's a delicate balance because if I don't do these things, uh, then my mental health won't stay as stable. Um, Mm -hmm. it it's what people don't understand. It's a lot of work to, uh, stay stable. And I still have like I still have depressive episodes and hypomanic episodes that are just very mild and very short compared mm-hmm. to what they used to be. And my psychiatrist said they probably will never disappear because otherwise I'd just be a zombie. So <laughs> he said, if I can manage them, then 
we're doing what we can, like we're doing it right if I can manage them. So people yeah. don't understand that or that maybe listening is mental stability. Like you said, it is, it's a like group effort. Like it is not just one thing you can focus on it. It requires a lot of different moving pieces to help somebody be able to function and uh, be able to manage their mental illness symptoms. It can be quite difficult at times. Yeah, definitely. It takes a it takes a group effort, and um, hopefully, you know, f- from the people who are listening to this, they can actually maybe go and research and into all these different therapists and see. Um, maybe they might just be curious or see what works for them. Um, I love working with like our art therapists. Sometimes I go into like I just sit into her her group sessions um, if I'm you know able to, and I just see how she's able to use her skills to help people through you know traumatic things right um Mm -hmm. so yeah I've I've always been fascinated by the different types of medical therapy interventions that are out there so um it's all about finding what works best for you you know what for you I mean right now I'm using headspace which is I love headspace yes I love headspace um and then you've got some people who just don't have time for not, not don't have time. Well, they might not have time or it might not benefit them. And they prefer like a more face to face type of um, support. So really, it just depends on what works for you. Yeah. How did so how did that uh, move you into the space that you're in? I mean, I know you're still doing the occupational therapy, but the, with the She Aspires Skills Academy, what how how is that related? as a as an occupational therapist uh, like I said you support people going into the community right um and when they're in the community a lot of them want to work um and you know have a job so for me I suppose in a a separate way I've always been passionate about women's empowerment um and supporting women in like career spaces specifically um because of all the injustice that we face um, collectively, individually, there's different types of injustice that we face. Um, so I created um, She Aspires Skills Academy, also known as SASA, um, because I wanted to create a platform that provided um, resources uh, for women to access, to help them in their careers. Uh, but I also wanted to incorporate mental health into it as well, um, because you know, I think mental health is definitely something that um, is really important in the workplace um, in terms of having occupational balance, uh, work-life balance or harmony, which is another term I keep hearing a lot. A lot. Um, so, you know, I decided to create a blog where women could talk about their experiences in the workplace and be mm. as unfiltered as possible, because even though, like, I knew what I wanted to, to do in terms of become an occupational therapist. Um, my journey um, in terms of like when I was studying wasn't always easy. Um, mm. And I really wanted to know what, um, you know, the people who were qualified or just women in general in the workplace, what they were facing. And I wanted them to be honest. You know, sometimes you can listen to all these motivational videos on, on YouTube or you go to yeah. certain events and they everything is so like rose tinted and glamorous Mm -hmm. and everything like that um but actually I would say 99% if not 100% of people 
have their ups and downs mm-hmm. um, that they don't usually share. So I wanted to create a platform that did share their ups and downs um, from women of different backgrounds and different ages as well. So we we have a lot of students who are writers talking about their training process or um they're studying you know how how they are coping in terms of studying and making that transition into a graduate role for example so that's really where it came from it started as a project and then it just kind of grew um because of people's interests and then I just decided to carry on with it um so now we are oh we uh, just launched well this is in summertime we launched a planner the working woman planner which again is a planner that incorporates mental health well-being um, but then also productivity as well um, so now we're continuing to pro- provide resources uh, and just give people tips whether they take it or they don't it's um, it's up to them but as much many as, as we want to inspire as many people as possible to still go for what they want um you know regardless of their background or if they've I don't know if they messed up on an interview one day it doesn't mean you will never go on to another interview again right right? (laughs) so um yeah that's really where it started I love that and I can say from personal experience if you're working in a toxic workplace it really can have a toll on your mental health, whether or not you have a mental illness. I just happen to have one. And so it like escalates very quickly, but it's, it's difficult. And so I think having something like that, especially somebody like, you know, the skills that you're providing, um, the blog where they can see like all these tips and also the tips that you're giving, but then also like a, a safe place that like, should they choose like to leave their career, not their career, but the place they work because it is a toxic work environment, they have people to help them be able to find something that's better suited for them. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. It's um, sometimes it's a taboo, um, especially for women to almost stand their ground and Mm -hmm. especially being maybe the only woman in the room to stand their ground or to talk back and speak up so those are the type of like topics that we you know cover um and then also kind of like teaching young girls from a young age as well like what's so interesting and I can't believe I only realized as I was older but like in our textbooks in school for example like you would always see the illustrations which drew the woman as like maybe the mother or the cook and then you had like the male who's the person in construction and all that kind of stuff and I feel like that needs to change you know we need to have a variety so that when these young girls grow up to be women and they start you know they start their career path and everything like that that they're not subconsciously um you know impacted by what they were taught in school you know um so yeah I think those are the things that I I want to hopefully be a part of in terms of um, raising awareness and you know in terms of creating policies and maybe going into schools and talking about that Um, so yeah it's just it's it's really one step at a time but it it definitely takes just one person to just you know at least speak up and spark that idea uh, in hopes of you know inspiring other people and just getting the conversation going 
Yeah. I feel like as a parent, I'm in a constant battle against what society wants my children to be and what I want them to be able to be. Not what I want, not me mold them into what I want, but allowing them the space to be who they want to be. And I'm in this constant. So my, my, I remember when my twins, the boy girl twins came home and my daughter was devastated because she was like, mommy, I can't have my favorite color as my favorite color. And this was like kindergarten, first grade. And I'm like, why? And she's like, cause it's a boy color and I'm a girl. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> there's no such thing as boy and girl colors, but it started at such a young age. And now I, you know, I, I feel like I've done a good job as a parent because uh, Audrina, the girl uh, is saying she wants to be an engineer and that her brother is going to work for her and clean her house. So oh, well. <laughs> and he's like, okay, so I'm like I must be doing something right. If they see no problem with this, because like, you know, society would not expect that roles, the roles to be like that. But he's like, yeah. okay, I'll live in Audrina's house and clean it and cook for her while she works. Oh gosh. <laughs> but then that's the thing, isn't it? Is is allowing children to open their minds to the possibilities, right? Mm-hmm. And not you know instilling all these like rules and what they should be what you should do what, co- what color you should like. like it's just it's just one of those things that isn't isn't needed and can you know sometimes be detrimental depending on you know their their experiences I suppose so yeah I think you know whether it's parents teaching their children or schools um enforcing and and changing maybe the curriculum or the syllabus I don't mm-hmm. know textbooks and just being more conscious of that. I think that would definitely go a long way. Yeah. This whole girls do this and boys do this. I'm like, kids do this. People do this. Like you can do pretty much anything except my son doesn't have a uterus. So he can't yeah. like form a baby. There's yeah. very few things that limit, things that, yeah. <laughs> that limit you based on like, what, you know, the sex you were uh, signed at birth. Like there's very few things that limit you. You can, I, I try to tell them this all the time. I'm like, you, the world, you can do anything. Like it's, it's out there. Like you, you have the ability and it's hard because society just wants to, you know, put them in little boxes and tell them they okay. can't. But I, I told my daughter, I'm like, if you, I mean, they're only 10. I'm like, if you still want to be an engineer, do you know how many scholarships are out there for women engineers? Cause there's so few of them. I'm like, you could like have a free ride in college. Yeah. Easy. <laughs> yes. I'm like, there's so many, um, occupations that like are male dominated that they have like all these scholarships to try to get more females into the spaces. So go for it lady go for it so I agree with you we need to like as a society start changing these things so it's less genderized and more like you can do pretty much anything you want to do exactly absolutely no limits ladies whoever's listening out there no limits whatsoever um yeah I mean, as it is, we have women in the, in top levels of government, just go, I mean, what is it? Uh, New Zealand has a, a woman prime minister, know, right? That's just amazing. I oh. think, is it Sweden that has a woman prime minister too? There's multiple ones. There's it's one that popping up. <laughs> yeah. There was one that got in trouble for like leaving her cell phone at home and going out to the club. So she's relatively young too. 
Oh, I it did was not like, hear about this. It was like a big news story. It was so silly because I guess she had been a close contact with somebody who had COVID, but they told her she was fine. So she's like, okay. Wow. And so she left her prime, like her work. She called her work phone at home and went yeah. out to the club and they were trying to get a hold of her because she needed to quarantine. Oh gosh. And it was just like women, women in the top levels of government. And you have to talk about these silly things that, uh, like you know if I I feel like it's 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 unfair because if it happened and it was a man it would have just been like meh. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a totally different story and these are the things that we're you know still fighting and hopefully like you know people continue to shout about it to you know speak up about like no actually this isn't fair like equal rights type of thing so um yeah I th- I I'm hopeful that it will you know, we will get to a point where um, there's some sort of balance as much mm-hmm. as possible, um, you know, especially when it comes to people's livelihoods, right? Um, but, you know, I, I definitely think it's, it starts from when you're young. A lot of these mm-hmm. ideas that people have about a man should do this, a woman should do that, it comes from generations and generations and generations. Mm-hmm. Like, but... I don't know about you, but for me, I can see that slowly, slowly, but surely fizzling, fizzling yeah. out, right? Like, it's almost like every single year, there's more acceptance to like, oh, yeah, a woman can do this. A woman can can be a, a board member or, you know, that kind of stuff. And not just a woman, but, uh, you know, pe- a person of, you know, ethnic background, um, a person who might be disabled or something. But just seeing more diversity in just different areas, I think. I think we're starting to see that maybe more in some areas and there's, you know, other areas where there definitely needs, um, you know, th- there needs to be more of, but um, I'm, I am hopeful. <laughs> it is um, a slow shift, but it is shifting and we shifting. just got to keep yeah. speaking up. My hope is like maybe my grandchildren's generation, which yeah. I don't want grandchildren anytime soon. Um, I have an 18 year old and I was like, you can wait a while, long time. I'm good. I don't need to be a grandma anytime soon. Um, but I'm hoping my grandchildren, if I have grandchildren, if I don't, I'm cool with that too. Mike, I don't, I don't, I'm not like the Pope thinking that people are selfish if they don't have kids. Oh God, imagine that. <laughs> yeah. He said something like that the other day. It was all over the news here. And I'm just like, what <laughs> so I'm good if I don't have any grandchildren but if I do I'm hoping their generation will not see the same struggles we've had so as we wrap up the podcast today what would you like to leave the inspired women audience with oh I think maybe just going back to you know our earlier conversation about utilizing the skills and characteristics that you already have and turning it into a positive things like the, the things that you feel like you might be uncomfortable about, whether it's you being shy, um, maybe you feel like you look at a type of way that might not be acceptable in society. Whilst it, is, it's a, it takes a while and it takes a lot of self-reflection, try and see that in a positive light. Use that to your advantage. If you are a quiet person, if you're soft-spoken, use that. We need we we're starting to see more um, leaders who are 
perhaps not the shouty shouty version but actually are still able to captivate a massive audience you know um and and just through what they have to say and and I think that's a really good example because it just shows you that you don't have to be um you don't have to conform to what society wants you to be but you can Mm -hmm. actually be yourself and almost force society's hand in a way um so that would be the message um that I'd like to leave you with the audience well Jenny thank you so much for coming on the podcast today so having me this is such a great conversation and we I feel like we touched on quite a few like important topics as well so yeah thank you for having me thank you for being a part of the inspired women audience if you enjoyed this episode please leave us a rating review and don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today tag us at inspired women podcast both on facebook and instagram have a great day